you know, I don't know about your house, but every, every day in our house, there's a little bit of uh, Royal Rumble, all right, and uh, it's constant WWE in our living room, in our bedroom, in their bedroom, on the trampoline, front yard, car, wherever those three boys are, uh, it's always, uh, it's always a, a Royal Rumble. Uh, why? I don't know, because they're boys, I don't know, but, and don't count Benjamin out, Okay. All right, he looks sweet and innocent, but he jumps right in the middle, no fear, and has probably inflicted more damage uh, to the other brothers than anyone has because he's not afraid to use foreign objects, <laughs> just like WWE, right? There's something about wrestling. You know, in college, okay, I went with a few friends and um, uh, with, with a few friends to Ghana, West Africa for a couple of months to go visit some missionaries. And we got to kind of see the work that they were doing and help encourage them and help in some areas um, while we were there. Now, a couple observations. Two months is a really long time to spend with friends, okay? So you guys, if you guys get to check this out today online, um, I love you, but two months is a long time uh, to spend with you. Um, all right, so one night... <clears throat> uh, uh, there, some of you guys may remember Chris Woolard. Uh, he preached for us at the beginning of this year, okay? So that's the guy. And uh, we were good friends uh, to this day. He's a pastor. And, and uh, as four of us guys, college guys, in this one room, and I wanted him to cut off the light because it was, it was nighttime. It was bedtime, right? And he was reading or something. He didn't want the light off yet. And he was by the light switch. And so we're going back and forth, right? Words were said. And uh, my side of the story is he was being a punk, Okay? Uh, Chris, you were being a punk, okay? It's, it's, I'm on the stage. I get to tell the story. But his side of the story would be, uh, I was being a punk. And so words were said. And it ended with something like this, his invitation to, oh, why don't you come over here and do something about it? <laughs> and so I did. And, and now we had my two other friends. They were egging us on, okay? They're also pastors today. And, uh, and they're egging us on. And and remember, we were in college, okay? I was, I was, we were in our pajamas, but I was in college and we were in Africa. So I was in my undies, okay? He was in his undies and uh, boxers, I believe. And, and, and it, it was somewhere between we were playing, but we were for real. Have you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? And so, and we're wrestling and we were being egged on by other guys, and then it happened. We wrestled through the window. Okay, and not our house. Okay, and so we're like, oh no, we're college guys. We're we're in our pajamas, and um, and then the security guard who was on the night watch there, he comes and he's like standing outside and looking, he's like, what what is going on? And and we're like, we're just standing there in our underwear, with broken glass everywhere, and we're like, sorry, well, um, and so that's the story, right? Now wrestling is something that kids do on the floor. Maybe it's something you've done at some point in your life athletically, or maybe you prefer the entertainment version of it, right, with ladders and chairs and, and all, all of the theatrics that go with the WWE. Uh, or, you know, uh, maybe you, you've been in an intense wrestling match yourself, right, uh, a, a grown person in your undies, I don't know. But, but here's the thing about wrestling. Wrestling is also serves as a metaphor, it's something that you and I uh, do. It's, it's, it's when we struggle with something. What do we say? I wrestle with it, right? Or when, when, when we're wrestling something, there, there's this connotation of going back and forth. Okay, there's this wrestling. There's back, back and forth. And so uh, wrestling with something metaphorically may involve pain. It may involve a lot of questions. 
may involve anxiety. Uh, it may involve uh, 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 temptations you experience or physical appearance, these things you struggle with or uh, questions or, or culture around us. And in many ways and in many of us, we wrestle with God in this way as well. And so we wrestle with God over things like our identity, our past, uh, uh, our struggles, our pain, our questions, and uh, maybe God's provision for our life. And, and there's all these things, and you, you're probably not immune to it too, right, that we've wrestled with God uh, back and forth over these things. And so maybe you, you're here and you've had it out with God. And maybe you even feel guilty about that, or, or, or maybe you're still in that season. Maybe you still have struggles, doubts, or pain, or anxiety. And so today what we're doing is we're starting this series called Wrestling with God. And it's a series um, where we're just going to look at a few stories in the scriptures of real people who really wrestled with God. And now... So many stories in the Bible, right? It's filled with people who wrestle with God as well. And and they wrestle with God over many of the same things that we deal with and struggle with and wrestle with today. And so today we're going to kick off with maybe the most obvious story in all the scriptures, this guy named Jacob. And in Jacob, there was a lot of wrestling going on in his life, both metaphorically and both physically. So here we go. We're going to um, dig into Genesis chapter 23, but I'm going to introduce you to Jacob just a little bit in case you're not familiar with him. Uh, Jacob was a key figure in the Bible. Jacob was the younger uh, twin of his brother Esau, speaking of wrestling, right? And, And so these brothers had their differences and their drama throughout their life, literally since birth. But Jacob plotted the younger brother, he deceived uh, his brother Esau and his father Isaac, and he received the birthright that was intended for the older brother Esau. Now, now that doesn't sound like a super big deal to us, but then that was like everything. Like the older brother's birthright, the inheritance, the blessing, all this stuff was tied in together to their identity and their leadership of their family. And, and, and in fact, the scripture says that um, Esau, the older brother, was intending to kill Jacob. Now that's serious, right? That he was plotting to kill his brother Jacob. So Jacob, what does he do? He leaves. He leaves his home, his family, country. He leaves for a long time. He got married actually a couple times, uh, had lots of kids. He becomes wealthy, has livestock, which was uh, just a sign of being wealthy. So over 20 years later, God tells Jacob, I want you to go back to the land of Canaan, the land of your father. And and um, back to the land that I promised you. So remember, throughout, throughout history, God had been promising his people something, and that promise continued through Jacob, right? This, this deceiver, uh, the, the, this, this kind of a liar, this backstabbing brother, God had his promise that was going to go through him. And so Jacob's, Jacob has to head back to... Canaan, but Esau, right? Now, the scripture says that Esau was going to go out and meet his brother. Apparently, word was on the street. Jacob and his people were were heading back home. So, scripture says that Esau was coming out to meet him with 400 men. That's a lot, lot, right? And so, you can just imagine, Jacob, who ran for his life, been gone for decades, uh, he's coming back, he hears that Jacob's on, or Esau is going to meet him with 400 men. Jacob is stressed out. 
And he's doing what we would do, right? He is praying like never before. He, he, uh, so what he does is he takes some cautionary, uh, precautionary measures, right? He divides all of his clan, people, livestock, everybody into two camps. He's like, maybe if they attack one of us, the other half of us can get away. And so that's just, that's how much he thought that they were going to uh, be obliterated. And then uh, to take measures further, precautionary measures, he, he sends these groups of people um, with, with gifts ahead of them, these multiple groups and like livestock and goats and, and sheep and all, all this stuff um, just as gifts to try to soften his brother up a little bit before they came face to face. Now, this is where we pick up today in Genesis 32, verse 22. It says, that night... Jacob, he got up and took his, his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok River. Now, after he sent them across the stream, he, went, uh, he sent over all of his possessions, so Jacob was left alone. Now, Jacob sends everything, everybody, all of his stuff, which was a lot, okay, sends it all across the river. Crossing a river would have been a big deal right back then without bridges and with all this stuff and and all these people. Um, So uh, he sends over everything, but he stays by himself essentially in the wilderness, in the dark. He stayed back on the other side. It was a natural barrier for him to be alone and isolated from everything else in his world and for him to just wrestle with God. Jacob was, he had nothing else to do. He had no other cards to play. So he was wrestling with God in this moment. He was kind of freaking out. He knew his brother wanted to kill him. He knew his brother probably had the means to kill him and the people. And he doesn't even deny that his brother should have wanted to kill him. And so he also knew that God had made promises that were supposed to continue through Jacob's offspring. And so Jacob intends to spend the night alone, pouring his heart out with God, wrestling back and forth desperate before God. But then check this in verse 24. It says, so Jacob was left all alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Is that not the weirdest wrestling match in the history of wrestling? That's strange. Like when the world is going on, it's weird. And and Jacob is all alone under the cover of dark and he gets confronted. He gets attacked essentially. And they do what my boys do every day. They wrestle. And, and Jacob probably thought it was one of his enemies, maybe one of his brother's men or one of the uh, guy's men from the land that he left, right, and that he deceived. And so what happens, they go through the night wrestling for their life, right? I mean, you get attacked, you're giving it all you got. You're not like, oh, you stop, you mean man. No, you're going all in, right? You're trying, uh, and, it's, and it's a stalemate, and, and there's a struggle and Jacob probably sensed that it was life or death. And in verse 25, it says this, when, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that, the hip, uh, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. So wore out, right? But fighting man to man, Jacob was holding his own until something bigger happened. And it appeared that Jacob met more than he could really handle. His opponent just touches him and wrenched his hip out of socket. And verse 26 says, Then the man said to me, Let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I told you it was the weirdest wrestling match in history, right? 
And so they're, they're wrestling, and hip out of socket, he's still got the death grip on him, and he's not going to let him go until you bless me. So it starts out, uh, it starts to dawn on Jacob that this was no ordinary man that he was wrestling. And the, the proof for that was the pain in his hip. And Jacob is still, but he's still holding on for dear life. He's still wrestling. He's still giving all through the pain, through the fear, he's not going to let go. And as the man asked to be let go, Jacob, uh, he held on to obtain God's blessing. Verse 27, 28 says, the man asked him, the mystery man, right? What is your name? Jacob, he answered. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. But Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So this so-called man asked Jacob, in the middle of a wrestling match, right? Uh, uh, ask, uh, ask him his name. His name's Jacob, and, and he changes his name. So like, if you just come and encounter that on the street and someone says, what's your name? Pete, you are no longer Pete, but you are going to be called, you know, Peach Mail, right? <laughs> run. You know, you, you just run. You get away, okay? Because... But he asked him his name. He says his name's Jacob. And he changes his name. You will no longer be Jacob. You know what Jacob means? Deceiver. And that was the identity that Jacob had stepped into essentially his whole life over and over again. It had been his identity. And he says, now your name is Israel. Now, we think of Israel as, as the nation, as the people of God, but this is where it started. As, as Jacob, his name was Israel. Because you have struggled with God and humans have overcome, do you know what Israel means? It means God fights. It means wrestles with God. And so Jacob is stunned. He knows. He knows who he's dealing with. But he still wants more information, right? Verse 29, Jacob said, well, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Uh, then he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the place Peniel, uh, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So Jacob, or I guess we can call him Israel, he went limping away that day. But he never felt more alive because he knew he had wrestled with God. Now, now check this. Here, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, you have these glimpses uh, throughout the story of God of this appearance, what's often called the angel of the Lord or the angel of Yahweh. And it was this figure that was divine amongst humans. And, and so um, it seems that it wasn't just an actual an angel, but the word angel actually means messenger. So me maybe it, it refers to the word messenger, but the story indicates that as God himself intervening in the human story, in Jacob's story, and it's called a theophany, an appearance of God, okay? And, and, and so many believe that this is the pre-incarnate Jesus, the pre-Christmas story uh, Jesus, because we know Jesus who always has been, and he shows up in this story. Now, we know that if you wrestle with God, like we know if you wrestle with God, you're, you're going to lose. That you're obviously going to get obliterated. And God could have easily obliterated Jacob, right? I mean, look at his hip. But this was more about teaching Jacob some lessons. 
And I think they can also apply to our faith today. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at three lessons that Jacob learned. I think that we can learn as well uh, from the story. And, and what I would like to see is for us to go into the seasoned church of wrestling, um, um, th- not with our faith, but wrestling through our faith that we can experience who God is and what he wants for us. The first, the first lesson is this, is that God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. Now, I want to clarify real quick. When I say bless, I'm, I'm not, sometimes we think that just means health and wealth, right? God is not just concerned about you being healthy and just concerned about you being wealthy. I don't think that's, that's what the word bless means. Um, but it's interesting because God could have simply spoken to Jacob in a dream or a vision because he, he had done that before, if you're familiar with the story. But why does he use a wrestling match this time? I mean, that's, that's weird, God. That's dramatic, right? Uh, John Bloom, he writes this. He says, take note of what God did when he wrestled Jacob. Jacob began the night dreading Esau's arrival. He was full of fear and desperation, but he ended the night of struggle with God's blessing and a renewed faith. All of our struggling with God in faith leads to peace. Now, peace... Peace is blessing. Jacob wanted comfort. He wanted peace. He wanted protection. He wanted, um, uh, and what he got was a high heart rate and, and some anxiety and a hip wrenched out of socket, right? But later he realized he got the things that he actually needed. John Bloom, he, he writes also, he says, if necessary, God will cause us to limp to increase our faith. Now, now, church, God wants to bless you. If you're here today, if you're watching online, God wants to bless you, and we need to know that. Uh, again, it doesn't mean make you rich. doesn't mean make you perfectly healthy. But to bless means, means happy. It means happiness. It means um, goodwill. It means fortunate. And so it's to bestow favor on someone. It's not just health and wealth. It's much deeper and richer than that. Now, remember, Jesus says things like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Uh, Blessed are the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful and the pure in heart and the peacemaker. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, so God's blessings align with God bringing us peace and joy. And knowing that things are the way that they should be. That's God's blessing. Now, you may not know it, and you may not feel it, but God wants to bless you. The second lesson is this. God wants to move you beyond your past. And maybe that's something you need to hear today is that that God wants to move you beyond your past. Maybe you're stuck uh, with the ball and chain or or, uh, dark corners in your soul or secrets or or, uh, shame. uh, But see, when Jacob thought he was going to pour his heart out to God that night on the other side of the Jabbok, all by himself in the dark, uh, he got a wrestling match. And part of the blessing of that was restoration. And when God asked Jacob his name, he, was, um, he wasn't just asking, uh, he, he was asking about his character, right? And so when he said Jacob, which means deceiver, he wasn't just stating his name. Jacob was also confessing part of his identity to God. 
And before God would bless Jacob, he had to acknowledge who he was, that, and God would change his name and would change his identity. And so the wrongs that Jacob had did at this point, the deceitfulness, the scheming, the lying, the conning, it was more than just part of his name, it was part of who he was. But he wrestled with God, and God changes his identity. And he would no longer be known as the one who just conned his brother and his father to receive his blessing. This time, he, was, he received God's blessing by faith. And even though God's promise has always been with Jacob, I'm sure for decades went by, years went by, where he just simply wasn't feeling it, right? Or even believing it. But God used this pivotal moment, this wrestling match, to shake him up and to renew his faith and help him move beyond his past. He wasn't ready for what was next. He wasn't ready for what was next in his story until he moved on from his past. And Now, I'm sure Jacob was terrified, right? I'm sure he was exhausted. I'm sure he didn't have time for that. I'm sure uh, there, uh, he would have exhausted all the other options, but he had no other option except for to wrestle in that moment. And when we feel like we're wrestling with God, I want to encourage you and challenge you, there is more. Maybe God has taken you through a season that's lasting days, weeks, months, years, decades. He's taken through a season uh, to move you and to catapult you into his purpose for you for the future. And if you've been labeled, you've been identified maybe by your spouse or your parents or by your teachers or friends or the people that you know, maybe you've been identified by yourself, labeled, God isn't done with you. Even if you've been stuck, or labeled for, for decades. It may take a simple wrestling match, you know, and, and, and there's going to be struggle, and God wants you to move beyond your past. And the third lesson is this. Maybe you need to hear this today. Keep wrestling. You hear that, boys? Keep wrestling. John Bloom writes this. He says, what do you really need from, uh, what do you really need from God right now? What blessing do you want from him? How badly do you want it? Do not let God go until he blesses you. See, God's, God will meet you in your fear. God will meet you in your pain and anxiety and all the weirdness that's going on with COVID or elections or, or uh, everything else going on, all the uncertainty going on in our country. He may not meet you in the way you expect him to or the way you want him to, but God will meet you in it. And your greatest ally, your greatest ally might show up at first looking like your enemy or your adversary. And see, sometimes that's how God works. You may not need soft words of comfort. You may not need to be left alone uh, just with your thoughts. You may not need sleep or even a healthy hip. What you need is God's blessing in your life. And, and so when God calls you to wrestle with him, it's an invitation to receive his blessing. And so church, I want to challenge you to, to, to stay with him. Okay? To stay with him, to don't give up, don't, don't let him go until he blesses you. It's audacious, all right? It's bold, and, uh, and, and God, he loves to bless that kind of tenacious faith, and, and you will come out transformed. And so maybe our challenge for us today, church, is this. Maybe you need a jabbock, a river. You need a space to separate yourself from all the other mess in your life where you can spend some time alone with God. Maybe that's you need, to, you need to lock yourself away in a room for an hour with no phone and just pray. 
Maybe you need to go on a walkabout, right? You need to go uh, hiking uh, off in the woods by yourself. Maybe you're going through a season, weeks or months long, where you're just seeking God. But I want to challenge you that, to, to find that jab, find that space and that place where you can uh, pour your heart out to God. You can receive what he has, that you can push back on God and allow him to bless you. Keep wrestling, okay? Then the story closes out in verse 31. It says, The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. That's an interesting little detail, right? So even as Jacob was blessed, even as Jacob had renewed faith and renewed purpose, and he was able to shed his past and his identity, uh, the limp was a reminder of, God, of his God experience in his life and his blessing. It changed his identity, and he's moving forward now away from the past. And, and he would have never asked for the limp, right? He would have never said, God, jack my hip up. But this was part of his story, and it was also part of God working in his life. And so, church, you're invited to wrestle. God wants to bless you. Don't let go until he does.